This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients you need to make them right to your door. Our listeners get their first two meals for free. Just go to blueapron.com forward slash bad Christians to start cooking incredible meals at home. Today's show is also brought to you by Me Undies. Me Undies has the world's most comfortable pair of underwear. And with Christmas coming up, they make the perfect stocking stuffer. Right now, they're offering BC Pod listeners 20% off and free shipping. So head over to MeUndies.com slash Bad Christian and get your orders in by December 13th to have them delivered by Christmas. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, you geezers? This is Mad to the Not Bad this son time, of a bitch, <laughs> so, hey, you knuckleheads, this is Matt Carter, and welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. I call you guys knuckleheads because in Webster's Dictionary, knuckles stands for those little joints in your hands, because this is a science segment, and the knuckles makes you move your fingers. And heads, tell them what heads is, Toby. Heads or tails? I don't even know what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> and I, why am I talking this way? <laughs> we are Killing this intro, Joey. That's this right. This is awesome. That's We're right. We're the best ever. That, that other guy, I don't even want to say his name because he sucks at it. Yeah, Matt, please rescue yeah. us. <laughs> Good work, guys. I love what you did with the piece. <laughs> Yo, I got my LaCroix. Joey, you laying on the couch all comfy. Can we do this show or what, my man? So you get to do the youth pastor voice, but I can't. Yo, right. yo, yo. Y'all about to worship Jesus. Can y'all please count down? We got a lot to do. A three, a two, a one. There Joey, drop some youth group bass on them. <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Bert. My mouth's bleeding, Bert. My Lord. <laughs> what, is it, what does that mean? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Y'all know what I'm saying? This is the big Christian boogies. Yes. Man, I, I think a lot of youth group leaders are going to start listening to us and stealing our, our rhymes and our flow what? and the way we present the gospel. I think we've stolen it from them, my friend. I think that's how we got, that's how we oh, got yeah, our right. stick. That's, that's how we <laughs> yeah, developed. That's how why we have a job. That's right. <laughs> In fact, if... <laughs> If if you if church system in general on Sunday ended, we'd be well, screwed. We'd be out of material. <laughs> where, where do you think I'm going first? I, I'm I'm gonna go straight into the. We're gonna do church all the time here. Are, are y'all not sometimes even inundated and overly bored that we do church? You do church for your job. You do it for the podcast. That's it's it's inescapable. But I've been sucked into the system because yes, people, I've come out of retirement and last Sunday. I led worship at my church. No. Whoa, <laughs> man! Did you did you feel nervous at all? Did you jump no. right back on the what, is, what does that What does that look like at your church? Like commentary on the game? He only what? played bongos. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hippie, so it's like naked bongos. But no, you know, I came out of retirement. Last thing I did was I was trying to build large kind of bands that were arranged in the way that I like to do at Mars Hill. Uh, I was doing that kind of stuff there. And so for this one, I've been on this kick for a while, but uh, as far as what I like, I like it when it's simplified, but I'm, I am uh, I did it by myself. No drummer, no tambourine, no cajon or whatever they do. I just took my guitar, 
and went down there and did six songs, just me for the whole congregation, which was was intimidating. But uh, I've gotten a little bit better at it, so I was I was able to do it, and I wasn't even nervous about it. So it was that that was good, but it didn't work out super good, you know. Like, uh oh, you know, the projector behind me failed, didn't work. Yeah, so I had to do the first. I mean, you know. I got to do songs by myself. It's really just a solo. So you me perform. Yeah. So just me performing. Then we, we're in this big old Lutheran church and there was no heat at all. So it was, my fingers were cold, like playing an outdoor gig. Uh, and then, and then it was, it's the holiday weekend. Of course, there really wasn't anybody there. So, you know, when you got to get it started and there's nine people and it's, it's, here we go. And it's just time for me to do a solo as people come in kind of thing, you know, and then of course the, the most difficult part about me leading worship last Sunday is the thing that I always forget is that I can't sing. That's the biggest problem. The biggest single problem I have is I can't sing. So <laughs> I, I just picture Matt up there. How great thou art. I, I definitely did that song. You got it right. I did How Great Thou Art. You, doing, you did all old hymns, didn't you? Did you yeah, do a I did. Christmas song? No, I started to, but it didn't work. It didn't really work out. So I, did, I cut that one. But, uh, you know, but I, you know, I'm, I can't sing. I got cut from the, well, I don't know if people know this. I'd never sang really. I always avoided it and never could do it. Still can't do it. I got cut from the choir, Joey, in the third grade. I had to try out for, I tried out for the choir in the third grade, sang My Country Tis of Thee, and then didn't get in the choir. Third grade. Because <laughs> I couldn't sing. Do you remember uh, the teacher's name that cut you? Yeah, Miss Cochran, Kathy Cochran. You owe her everything. I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, she put the adversity put the, in you. That's that the adversity I had to up. overcome, kind of thing. Did and you the, actually? So, did you actually enjoy it? Because I lead worship. Uh, yeah. You know, when I'm almost every Sunday. Did you? Did you feel like, man, I'm back? I, yeah, I, I did. This. I feel like it's open mic night for comics or something. Like it's it's enjoyable because it's it's a rush, it's a challenge, it's scary, and I'm not even good at it. So it's even more like, wow, I'm getting to be able to and it's hard for me because i think people i put on the pressure to myself but people expect me to be good because they know i'm a career musician and all this stuff so general people that know what i do for a living expect if i'm going to go do music it would be good and it's not even good so that's the part that i feel kind of bad about and then our our church is kind of lucky like uh since our normal girl katie hasn't been there she's had surgery and she's out and stuff we've had the last three weeks we've had like chad gardner led and then zach from citizens and saints led the week before and then this week me so pretty lucky except for i'm you know i'm i'm the big disappointment there but i do enjoy doing it really but I, i wonder about the role uh, I like it because there's no pressure in the sense that I don't work there. I'm not having to do the meetings. I'm not part of the team. But all I ever see in the real world is, you, you know, I think it's a high pressure job that people uh, burn out of. Right? People are always not being able to continue doing worship at churches because they burn out. And I wonder what, in particular, about that role causes that. I was wondering if y'all have any thoughts on it because it's easy to pop in and do it one Sunday. I think that's maybe a Joey, you might agree across the board, all ministry positions, don't you think burnout is kind of not only for worship leaders, but obviously pastors. Yeah. And then I think youth group leaders and uh, whatever, small group. Leaders I mean, other and, careers don't have that. Mechanics don't go, you know what? I just, I'm burnout. I just can't. They're be. just exerting so much passion, man. No, I mean, I'm not making you just fun. can't do that weekly. No, I'm not making fun, but there's, 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 some, there's some stuff about it where I just think it, it might be a little bit like, I, there's something about the stressful in an emotional way. Like, uh, like for instance, before we started, somebody they said, "Okay, let's pray," and they prayed for me. And they pray, they say, "Okay, this that Matt's voice would just touch people, and that you would work through it and accomplish this, this, and this." And I'm like, "Oh crap!" Like, yeah, yeah. A, that, I, it, Joey has to have a different opinion than me, but this is what I actually think. 
I think church takes itself too seriously and that causes people to have serious burnout. Yeah. When you think when you say about other jobs, so yeah. They they, they take themselves seriously. You don't want to lose your job, but not like Man, today in the office, everything matters, and and if if I don't get this one and, yeah. TP report done or whatever, then Lucy's going to hell forever. Like you know, we just take ourselves too seriously. You think I think that way? No, no, I I think you don't think the church takes itself as seriously as I do. I think in some ways you do, but oh, I'm I'm saying I th- I think I thought that, you thought you were describing me. No, no, that. no. But but think about it. God just blessed Linda's fingertips as they go on the keystrokes today in, in the paralegal office that, that she would not fail and you would see it through and that the people's salvation depends on that. I mean, that, that's, that's right. pressure, essentially. Right. When you're trying to help and encourage. I, Dear Lord, if I don't fix this toilet today because I'm a plumber, yeah. <laughs> then this person will burn in eternity. Right. I mean, I've, I've, I've told people before, like I've heard pastors say stuff like, man, I'm just in it to save souls, man. I'm just consumed with that. I can't shake it. And so I, I had to... Uh, come to peace with the fact that I am not motivated by any other thing than I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I can't say no to God, but I, I can't put people's souls on me. Even that's way heavier than most people's job, though, Joe. Even what you said is way heavy for anybody else's job. This is exactly what God wants me to do, and I just got to do what uh, he wants. I felt yeah. that way when I was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't, don't you think God is, didn't, don't y'all think God wanted y'all to start Emory? That's not the way most people describe their jobs, is all I'm saying. Uh, well, I think. That's, I think that's wholly different than ninety nine point of percent of people in your church typically describe their job. Now, some would, of course, but most people don't say they talk about their job that way. And yeah. that almost still goes back to your personality. The same thing. Like if you don't do a great job, kids fail and don't. Maybe their yeah. life might be worse. So, like yeah. you, you kind of have are attracted to the idea of. I think you really are. Like I, I said this a million times, and you actually are. I think you are a pastor, and I think you're drawn to that helping people like like we had a conversation the other day about why you quit teaching and did you enjoy it and your biggest frustration was not the actual job like you actually love teaching and you love the kids and all that stuff it was the system which is honestly exactly what you don't like about church the system like you love helping people you love being mm-hmm. uh, like uh engaging in different ideas and being uh you know progressive in our thought and also ha- holding on to tradition and all this like all the things that you like the same issues are the system is what kind of bums you out a lot i think but i do think too it ends up being like like for example i mean like the church takes us so, so we're doing a christmas party right now and i know there's a lot of pressure to make sure that the turkeys and all that stuff end up working out it's good inadvertent pressure volunteer though, of course party. right it Mostly. doesn't matter as much but it does because we've set a, a certain kind of yeah. bar that, that that people expect so yeah, that's the it's, way it's going to be that's what i'm saying i don't think there's anybody to blame here i mean everybody participates in the same way it's definitely not a blame thing i just notice it that the the you know the things of burnout and it all depends on you and it's really hard to communicate with the pastor in a way because the pastor i bet toby i know you sympathize with this they kind of resist knowing how the projector works or what the sound system does Amen. and they want and they want the mute they hear the music and they go oh, and you can tell they're nervous because they're like wait i wanted to be more upbeat than that what if this is bad you know that anxiety right. that they may have yeah then you feel like here's the difference pastor get burnt out but youth i mean worship leaders and stuff even have more pressure in a way because they're not really autonomous so they don't even right. necessarily get to define what they think should be done very, as much and they still feel the pressure from the whole system too so it's, yeah, it is Joey's a tough told job. me uh several times hey that second song's gotta be faster <laughs> I mean, several times he's told me and, and that, that means not, that's not and but that's not thing, an that's, aesthetic opinion he that means something him like because of Stuff, right. not because I think the tempo would just And slow. also, sometimes it, I mean, I would say at least half of the times it's because he's been told from the the the, the higher-ups, yeah. hey, our second song has to be upbeat. That's right. And so he, he wants to 
uh, honor what they're asking our church to do and all that stuff. And, and so that, that's really interesting. But it is funny, going back to that, the funniest thing that happens at church is Joey's, his headset mic or whatever will feed back. And it's just like when Joey played bass. Anyhow, it just they stops never, and looks. No, that's not Joey. That's every pastor. <laughs> oh, I know, no, everywhere. yeah, I know. There's no possible. It's like no, no the idea. sound guy. That's his job. He makes it work. You know, and like I'm just like, wait a minute. And like every time I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, there's been several times where I, was, I just want to tell Joey back up away from the wedge or your stand. Our 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 mains are weird, so get away from the or whatever it might be. But I can't because he's. Doing response time. <laughs> you know, my favorite thing is the way pastors, they have this move where they, they hold the mic, they're doing whatever, they're comfortable, and as soon as something starts to go wrong, they display with their body language, like, what is this alien thing? It's definitely not me. I don't know what this is. I have no, there's no way I could know. This is somebody, like, they display with their face that this is somebody's fault that is not me. And they make sure to communicate that clearly with the way they look and what they do. It's <laughs> hilarious. So, Joey, there's been, like, three times where Joey just... <laughs> <laughs> Instead of turning the mic off, he pulls it off his head and just starts talking to everybody without a mic at all. That's it's good. almost like he goes, Bill O'Reilly, fuck it, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> like he's just like, there's nothing, he can't understand. Well, I do have an idea, and this goes into my general philosophy, and that is that, um, like, for instance, you wouldn't see stand up comedians getting all uncomfortable with feedback. They, they kind of own their, their mic. It's just a mic on the right. stand. But so I noticed that at churches, like it's crazy wireless gear, crazy in ear, all this stuff. Yeah. And I really think you should strip it down, have one person do it. And I, here's what I'd like to see. I'm sure there's churches that do this, but forget that headset mic that makes the pastor look like he's uh, selling blenders at Costco. How about you? What, what if you just literally just had a couple of 58s on stands up there, like stand up comedians, and then let the pastor like kind of own that and be part of his thing? Like, this is my mic, walking around with it, mic on a cable, and just own that and do it. That actually would be a good aesthetic setup for a, yeah. uh, a, a, a thing. Like, make it look kind of like a nightclub and have that pastor get these 58s like we're using right now for the podcast and just learn to de- own it. Like, that would be, wouldn't that kind of be yeah. a cool aesthetic for a church? Well, the reason why that would really help us too is because here's the weird thing for a sound guy, especially at our church, is you normally a sound guy, there's a band, they play, and then you turn on the music, right? Yeah. But in our situation, we not only have the band playing, but then another whole guy comes up and talks, and then there's a video, mm-hmm. and then there's another ser- video that's a sermon. There's a lot of audio, yeah. And then we come back up, and then you have all the mics for the band, and then, so it ends up being kind of crazy. That's actually a good idea, because Joey could literally... Make it simple and like, make it awesome, yeah. though. Like Make it cool. Yeah. Like here, Here's the thing, because volunteer sound guys, they're not bad, but they don't really know. So this is a true story. This happened this week. I go up there. I've got a wireless mic for me and my acoustic guitar. And he goes, I said, okay. So he said, what do you need? I said, well, I'll just sing in whatever mic you have. And then I've got my acoustic guitar here and I've got a quarter inch. So all I need is a DI. He pauses. He looks at me and he says, what's a DI? (laughs) 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 So keep it simple. That's all I'm saying. Make it, you know, make it fun and good that it's simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Make it part of the, the setup. That's all I'm saying. So, Matt, were people worshiping, my friend? Oh, uh, I, I don't know, but I was, brother. Well, how many souls were saved? That's a, that's a what we need to know. Hundred percent conversion rate. How many baptisms? Hundred <laughs> percent. I loved in the last probably four or five years, man. Baptisms have the number of baptisms is on it's the rise. Up, 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 like, man. People <laughs> love baptisms and conversions. Like if you crazy. get the, yeah, if you get that tempo right on the second song. Oh what, man, what I love too is you have to kind of change the. You have to change the terminology for number of people that come to to make it sound like, well, no, no, it's justified that I'm talking about the numbers because I've heard them say, 
hey, we had 385 souls there today. Souls, yeah. (laughs) I call them customers, but yeah, either way, audience, crowd, souls, whatever. (laughs) Hey, one thing that you kind of got me. Uh, Business leads. They're called business leads. We got 260 leads in the door. (laughs) We should start using LinkedIn for people to get baptized. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One one thing I was going to say, Matt, is did you got me going here? And I like this idea. And I think I. Sort of had this idea, but you you used a uh, phrase that I kind of like, open mic night. That's that would be really cool on a Sunday if there was open mic Sunday. Yeesh. And literally, you just if you know a song, you come up and sing it. If you have a scripture you want to read, if there's you want to tell a story, if you cool. want to just make a joke, if you want to uh, say an article you read, something, that's that'd not be bad. Kinda, that'd just, be kind of a for neat anything. Idea. It doesn't have to be spiritual based. It's just. Right, we're gonna get to know the community. Let people do because yeah. that's the thing about it. that I think is interesting. I'm still still on this worship thing. It's just on my mind because yesterday, really. But uh, it's weird, and I think another p- pressure point is is people wind up in the worship role because they want to be in bands, they want to be artistic, they want to be creative. Now, there's only two jobs really that are that, and that's you're in a band like we are normally, and then the other one is you get paid to be a worship leader. Right. Well, you're forgetting one, one where you paint Jesus upside down, then right. flip it around and it blows everybody's <laughs> okay. mind. No, but for, for, for a musician, though, every musician's one. dream is to make a living playing his own music. So the second thing to that, I'm not saying it's B-rate, B but the second thing to that is, oh, I can do this and get paid and be a worship leader, which I love Jesus and I love scriptures and I love the songs and I like all that. But then that, that creative spirit, that art, artistic person gets in there and then realizes all the constraints. And I'm just right. telling you, that is a difficult, that's a really difficult place to take the thing totally. that's about art and aesthetics and creativity and then put it in an ultimate constraint box that has a lot of weight and pressure to it. That's Of course, that's going to be uncomfortable. And that's, I think, where the burnout comes from. And I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. It's just that's the way it goes. It's really tough, too, because I was having this conversation with somebody. I forget who it was. It might have been you, Joey. But just the idea of literally part of my job is to the time that people worship is I'm leading it. Like, isn't that weird that I picked yeah, a is. song and or James and I picked a song and then people have to worship to that song as opposed to every other time, like you get to just enjoy a song or even say, I don't like that song. I'm yeah. turning the channel or I'm not going to listen to it, whatever. Like that's, that's one thing. Like I would love to go to a church where there's music being performed and either you go, you're actually able to go, yeah, I'm going to do something else or not worship to this, or it's okay if I'm, uh, I'm just watching this and enjoying it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like I, there's tons of bands where I just, I'm going to go watch, but you get and it's just for enjoyment. people don't watch, right? Huh? No, I, I mean, you get pissed when people no, don't participate or you used to. No, it's not that I get pissed. It's just the idea. The problem that I have is that we do all this stuff and then people don't even know what to do. And at the same time that I'm, we have to play these songs. So the people are completely uninterested. That may, leads me to believe, or if they don't know how to worship or, uh, it's not, if they're not engaged, and I'm not even talking about necessarily raising your hands. There's times where I just see people completely unengaged. That makes me think, crap, that I'm playing these songs and some of them I'm playing because I think I'm supposed to, yeah. as opposed to I can worship to this song too. I'm, I'm worshiping. Yeah, that's tough because, yeah, because the tempo of song two, you set for the aesthetic value of what that felt like and sounded like. But it turns out there's actually a more important function that's not that. 
All I can say is if Mama Jean stops worshiping, you're doing a horrible Yeah, then you're job. in big trouble she there. Can, she can worship to anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, real quickly, I was uh, I went for a jog today, and I listened to the latest Pastor With No Answers, Joey. Oh, yeah, the hell one? Yeah, to hell, awesome. with, to hell with the devil. <laughs> then we have Striper on here. I'm, tell, um, I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's responsible for me taking the plunge, man. To yeah, I thought the other guy oh, did pretty right. good. Oh, I did too. I actually sure. thought the other guy made some really good points, and it, here's the thing that I, I was I had to stop jogging because i started laughing so hard because <laughs> first of all it's really crazy joey's interjecting sometimes with jokes that they don't they're they're trying to make a point and joey will interject with a joke and it's hilarious because they totally can't stop and no, then then yeah. they get that he's joking and they'll go <laughs> so here's what i'm saying about annihilation <laughs> corinthians 2 3 and they're going and joey says, hey you just interrupted him man you can't interrupt and, and joey's just goofing around which is really funny he goes uh okay <laughs> but then the the thing that i realized that, that made me stop and i had to die laughing was <laughs> like in that debate if if they're if the other guy so the one guy is uh like annihilation the other guy is hell is real and it's eternity like if that guy won the debate like when he jump up and cheer yeah everybody's going to hell those people are going to hell yeah not forever so much the game. told yeah. you burning forever worms burning forever. and i was like that's the worst possible debate to, to win to try right. to win yeah absolutely. like that, that guy it would be so awesome if he lost and was like yeah okay maybe not because like the idea of him he said no listen you got it all wrong people go to this lake of fire and they burn right trust me <laughs> like that's I, mean, yeah. I'm, I gotta convince you dude i gotta convince you of a lake of fire where people burn forever never ending I mean, if i win that's the result don't y'all think that any christian that be, that puts stock in the bible has to be stretched when they listen to chris oh absolutely chris day else? is co- unbelievably compelling in fact open and shut he's going to win every debate but i'm going to tell you why that is but that he he de- he destroyed the other guy in my opinion and I agree with the other guy, not Chris Date. However, right. Chris Date utterly destroyed him. So that is, uh, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like, and, and Joey's a, a victim of Chris's because I loved right. it at the beginning when Joey said, percentage that annihilationism is yeah. true, 80%. <laughs> like just a new thing that he's only known about what for was a few your months. Universalism, 8%. 8% universal, like traditional hell five or something. Yeah. 8% universalist is a no, lot. No, but Joey has traditional hell lower than universalist. <laughs> I, anyway, yeah. that's crazy. I, I, and I, I understand to, to why me, there's, there's like no, to me, there's no, there's uh, almost no scriptural evidence for the traditional view where there is for universalism. Yeah, I mean, well, there's, there's but, passages okay, that I, I, but I Joey, don't believe point to universalism, but they do. Right. But I, here's the thing. The reason that that is so strong is because there's been a passively accepted traditional view and it's a traditional view for a reason because everybody cumulatively somehow came up with it. It's not a conspiracy or anything. It's just that's what we all the people have pretty much always thought. So you have to at least understand that. And then you have one very, very focused person who spent or a movement, you could say, that's going to spend a, uh, a decade or years of doing in-depth research for simply one purpose, and that is to prove another point and disprove the traditional view. Meanwhile, the traditional hasn't been bolstering arguments or doing anything. They've just been sitting around assuming the thing is normal. So if somebody wanted to come in my house and convince me of something that I thought I knew that was true, and they were prepared for months for the debate, and I just walked into it, then they're, they're going to win the debate. Right. Does that make sense? So 
now, if you have traditionalists, they might need a year or two to regroup to actually figure it out and get as articulate and skilled and er- know every pushback before it comes as Chris is. And then the thing might even out a little bit. Yeah, the, the only problem, though, is you've listened to a debate on the Rethinking Hell podcast in the car with a guy who was prepared yeah. for, to argue and all of his arguments are tradition. So, I mean, I, I yeah, just... No, no. I mean, that one's a lot closer than this other one. And if I walk in the room, then I'm going to be destroyed by somebody like yeah. Chris. He's amazingly good at it. I mean, you could be argued by an atheist if he was more prepared than you and you would look like a fool. That doesn't mean he's right. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing is I'll be the first to admit that, that Chris has been super instrumental in me arriving at annihilationism, but it's because he keeps pointing to Scripture. I and, agree. And it, I'm not even saying it's not true i'm saying it's it's like it seems like he's right to me i mean i'm not going to flip my position that easily or quickly but yeah he seemed overall if i had if i walked into this world right now and listened to both arguments that one wins yeah and i I guess the, the the big difference between you and i is i've been trying to flip my point of view for years and i couldn't because i i i just didn't believe i believe in the traditional view of hell but i wanted like anything not to and it just didn't sit well but that's that's emotions talking, and that's not necessarily a good thing. But yeah, um, well, I, I enjoy. I'm loving that podcast, and I think it's hilarious. So much stuff that goes on there. I really enjoy. I hope everybody else yeah, is really enjoying the humor that you guys get. I would assume other people don't get because a lot of it is the. I tr- think they the, get it. The, the, <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody gets it. Do so you think people pick up on my goofy humor? And they, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Of I think course. we've trained them to. I think they've well, I've trained them to pay attention. What do you to think? It. Your humor is so high bar that it's above everybody. <laughs> I, mean, I think they get it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, they easily get that you're joking at times, or, or that your jokes are really funny, or it makes it awkward. But I like that. I mean, I I genuinely do like that about you. That's one reason I've always liked you and been my friend right sometimes it gets the best of me on the podcast and the only thing i can do in turn is point it out or make fun of it but i like it i like it too and i love it when it's making other people uncomfortable not me that's the best <laughs> i know it's awesome how do so that's what how i like most jared about is? it great i loved hearing jared. he's awesome yeah. yeah that's really good. i love it did y'all so speaking of podcasts did y'all hear my new one i just put up I've listened to the first, you have four people on it, I think, and I've listened to the first two. And I'll be honest with you, when I started reading the email that you sent Toby and I, or or text basically saying you, I was really excited because at first I thought these four people that you named, you had them all together. And I was like, this conversation's got to be crazy. And so I was going into it. Then when it started unfolding that you actually talked to these guys separately and put it all together in one episode, I was like, oh, this can't be as interesting. But the people that you have on there is just great. I, like I said, I've only listened to the first two, but the one, the first guy mm-hmm. is like the most conservative, raging, kill the terrorist, <laughs> do not welcome anyone that's not American person I've ever heard in my life. And I, I would that's love it. That's credible, though. It's not, not a, like, oh, I mean, he's smart. I yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not saying he's a, a, a dummy. I'm saying he's super smart. But he, yeah, he's, he's not your redneck from high school that just hates right. people I, with I wish raps could on their head. Let let people hear clips of. Some oh, of I stuff. do have clips. I was oh. going to play some if oh, I can. Nice, because I try. I, I went to listen to it, but it wasn't posted yet. So I just listened to Billy Power, which yeah. is a good one too. But yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hear this guy. It was posted. Toby just has a hard time on the computer. That's what it is. The thing about it is, uh, I like to. The, 
contrary to Pastor No Answers, I'm not looking for the chaos or the confrontation. I'm really looking to like go more obviously in depth. That's the kind of thing I want to do. So I, I want to go back and forth with somebody and go further and further into a thing. So I need people isolated, one-on-one, do that short. So I kind of played around with this format, but I really enjoyed it. But anyway, I was shocked when I got started talking to this first guy because I just was looking for somebody that was new about the subject to get information on. I didn't expect him to have so, so many opinions, but they caught me a little bit off guard. I, I laughed at him a little bit too. He's talking about, in this one, he's talking about uh, Guantanamo Bay. I him something about just you know what who are what is what <laughs> do we do awesome. with these people let's see if i can play this point of view. Well, I've, I've been to guantanamo bay I'm, one, I'm the only law professor in the country that works with the military to keep the facility open we don't need to turn these people loose in any system uh any system of thinking whatsoever their negotiating position if you ask them hey what do you guys want you want some land you want some money what do you really want their answer is we want to kill you. They don't care that you're a liberal. They kill more Muslims than Christians. He says we want to kill you. That's what. That's what everybody in Guantanamo. You ask them, they want money. What do you? What do you want? They say we want to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said. I asked him. I was like, do we not have like obligations to to refugees? I you know. What, I want to know what stance on that is. Um, and so we have no obligation to take these people into our country. No European country has an obligation. Oh, but they're suffering. Oh, well, you know, that's life. <laughs> I would tell these 20-year-olds, wow. get a gun and do what my great-great-granddaddy did when you don't like things and fight them. That's what we did the British. Fight for your independence. <laughs> it's wow. a, oh, well, that's life. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> to, the, to the refugees, oh, well, that's life. I was, and it's really just because he you know, cares about America, and I guess that informs everything, but to the point where it seems like he disregards uh, other people. So I asked him about you know, that one. Like you have to draw the line somewhere. So you are going to care about Americans and stuff like that, but you're going to have to separate these people and say, I cannot, I have to disregard them. I, I'm a nationalist. I mean, what's, what's in it for our country is my first question. If there's nothing in it for our country, oh, well. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got one more on it, and then you can tell me what you think about the guy, who I'm not disparaging. I really enjoyed it. And he, this guy's real intelligent. He knows way... He knows way more about it than 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 I do, so I'm glad all ears to listen to him. But funny nonetheless. Here's energy him on energy independence, which is our way out of this. The Middle East is a wash. It's a mess. There's all sorts of problems. There always will be problems. I think our greatest thing to do is have energy independence, so we don't have to rely on the oil over there, and therefore we can let them stew in their own stew. They can figure out their own destiny, and it's in our interest to have energy independence, so we don't have to be involved with those countries over there. We don't have to take their oil. We can take the own energy resources we have here. Okay, so, you know, solar, electric uh, stuff. No, no, I don't care about solar. That's a pipe dream. I care about (laughs) oil, a dollar a gallon, and we have enough oil here to last for hundreds and hundreds of years. And if we have a bird that gets oil on its wings, oh, well, we clean it up and move on to the next. (laughs) (laughs) If we have a bird that gets oil on its wings, oh, well, clean it up and move on to the next. I mean, when I heard that, I was just like, he is the complete opposite of Seattle culture. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. You know, one thing that he said, though, that was so compelling to me, though, and and, I mean, obviously, I I know this, but in the context of y'all's conversation, he said, a government's primary job is to protect. Sure. Absolutely. So that, and that makes right sense. there is like, gum. that's just, I, I do, I will say, and uh, it's funny, I'm talking to Toby and, and McDonald uh, in the next couple hours for a, 
pastor with no answers episode. And I do think it's a trickier thing than Christians make it out to be. I think a lot of Christians are just like, no, we let them in. That's the Christian thing to do. And it's just like, well, if you take that to an extreme, then at some point your country folds because you just can't, yeah, you just can't accommodate everybody. You just well, I love I love the episode, and I got tons of points of view on it. But it's this good. guy was just particularly good. He's real. He, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. He's a law professor. He's an ex um, U.S. Army guy. He he founded the Center for Terrorism Law. Like he, you know, he's he's a real dude. He way knows way more than us, and he's very sure with real knowledge that ISIS is planning a big attack, and they will succeed here. It just says that it takes them a couple of years. They what's got billions su- of dollars. What succeed mean? Like what? They well, did he says he, he says that nine eleven cost uh, Al Qaeda like fourteen million dollars to do. He says ISIS has billions of dollars and is not apologetic, and they're they they're going to be able to accomplish that kind of thing for sure. It's just a matter of time, and it takes you know it takes a couple of years to get it going to an attack like that. But they they they're going to do it. That's what that's his point of view. So you, you know the world is bad. Watch out. This is serious. You don't, you guys, all you feel good people just want to have a Coke with the people. You, you don't, you don't understand. Yeah. That, and so maybe he's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, of course, I don't like that, but maybe he's right. I don't know. Yeah. It makes me laugh, but maybe you should not be laughing. I was wondering what y'all think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hate those sorts of thoughts, but I mean, I, no one in their right mind can think that 9 11 is the last major attack we're going to see on our, our soil there's just no way and then on the other side i talked to chris dudley from under oath who knows a guy named nick that was their merch guy just like our, our just like our guy in europe toby patrick and he died yeah in in the paris attacks and chris is still on the the nice side of it you know chris is still says let refugees in you know science mike same thing and they're smart people that even have experience so quite a confusing thing yeah so did did you did you come out on the other side landing <sighs> i'm more impacted by what this First guy that I think is funny says because it's more counter to what I normally think, yet I can't entirely discredit. I don't like his personal humanitarian disposition, of course, but I mean, that is, the, I go by bias and my, everybody's bias or my bias is to think the nicer thoughts and the, it doesn't matter thoughts and don't worry about it thoughts. But I, maybe there's, it, it's harder to think the this really scary ones and like say, maybe that is right. Yeah. So. That that's I probably is impacted by that a bit for sure. Yeah, and the second guy you had on there made a really good point as far as you know people want to say, hey, yeah, we we take those people in, but are they willing to take them into their own home? And you you can't just put that on everybody. Well, yeah, that that guy was amazing. He's saying everybody should be acting, but you shouldn't be asking other people to act for you with their tax dollars or the government stuff. You should act. He said, and not not facetiously, but seriously, act. Everybody individually do send money, do what you got to do. Don't ask the government to do it. Don't ask. Don't let politicians tell you to send other people's kids over there. You go. He said. He said. There's plenty of people right. that literally go over there and fight with the Kurds. I mean, you can do that if you want to. If you believe it, do it. Well, we we do know that Perry Noble tweeted about this, but we don't know what he said because people got mad and he had to take it off. <laughs> he tweeted something about the Syrians and he took it off. Yeah, people got mad that he tweeted, so he immediately immediately removed it. I'm wow. not knocking him. I'm just saying there's a lot of ruckus, and he was like, eh. He probably thought he tweets a it. lot. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. So you're not making a joke. He had a tweet about it and took it down. And then there was the whole thing about the Clemson and the Gamecocks that he left. But yeah, he did take down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, did he my- say about Clemson? Well, maybe we should take a break or do something all before right. we do that because that that's going to go. All, I, I really, yeah, I didn't know what Joey's even talking about, but let's let's talk about Perry Noble and his tweets then when we come back. Hell yeah, yeah another Southern pastor. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I am just loving Blue Apron. I mean, it is so awesome. We have three kids. 
I have about a billion jobs. My wife has two jobs. We are working like crazy to have a great life, and things are going really well, and it's gotten even better with Blue Apron. And here's why. They are delivering amazing meals. And let me say this clearly, healthy meals, too. Yeah, these, these meals are just great. Everything's so clear. comes right to our door. I, we don't have to worry. Like that's what I, We don't have to, oh, man, we're home with no food in the refrigerator. We have food delivered to our door. I love it, Matt. You said that you loved it too. You're eating all kinds of crazy good yeah, food, yeah, this, right? Yeah, yeah. This week we got some real good stuff coming. We have the Harissa Spice Lamb Burger with carrot fries, oh. which I am thrilled to try. Harissa is kind of like a, I think it's a Mediterranean kind of sauce. Yeah. And I'm telling you, almost every time they send food that's Mediterranean, it's like my favorite. I don't know what it is, but Blue Apron uh, has a bunch of different Mediterranean dishes, and they are my favorite kind of stuff um, that they send. Also, they send real. Standard stuff that I can't wait. We got next week too. We have chicken noodle soup with brioche grilled cheese sandwiches. That's yeah, perfect for this time of year. I cannot wait to do it. So it's not all highfalutin crazy stuff. It's hearty stuff, fancy stuff, middle of the road stuff, things I wouldn't have thought of, and it's all delicious and it's all healthy. About seven hundred and fifty calories a meal. We love it. Yeah, we're talking less than ten dollars per meal, man. I know. I mean, it's just crazy. So here's what we're gonna do for you is we want you to get your first two meals for free. Yeah. Uh, free! And you can go to blueapron.com slash badchristian. So that's blueapron.com forward slash badchristian. Take that route. You're going to get two meals for free. And I'm telling you, once you try these meals, I've said this before, it's, it's literally the best food I've ever tasted in my life. And I made it, which is pretty crazy. You're not going to want to stop eating this stuff. And here's one other thing that is awesome about Blue Apron. It makes me look great in my underwear. (laughs) And you know what underwear I'm wearing, my friends. Me undies, baby. Oh, my gosh. This stuff is amazing. Like, I, I, I guess I would say I'm not an underwear connoisseur. I've never thought of myself. (laughs) You know, I I usually go to the the I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I get my me undies in the mail and right out of the package they are just oh so smooth so awesome it's this fabric man it's even, yeah oh my gosh the, the that's stuff, crazy it, it almost feels like water running over my fingers it's so smooth it feels so great and here's the other thing too that really usually bothers me about underwear it bunches up or the the top elastic rolls over or doesn't it gets all goofy this underwear stays put and it just keeps me so comfortable right where i'm at it is seriously Amazing underwear. I never thought I would say that in my life. Amazing underwear. It is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's made with a micro modal fabric, which doesn't sound sexy, but once you feel your meundies, uh, you oh, won't you won't ever go back. It's softer than cotton. It's amazing. Uh, they've got tons of colors. It's fun. The stuff's fun, and, and you should have fun with your underwear. I, I believe. And, that. I really believe that. Well, Priscilla got some some. Uh, I guess you call them panties. Yeah, like female underwear. She doesn't like the word panties. Female that's underwear. <laughs> that's why I, I don't say panties around my house because she doesn't like that word, but she loves it. I mean, it really is one of those things. Just like eh, ah, Joey, you give me an now. idea. So gifts, holidays, yeah. right around the corner. Oh, yeah. Get it. Let's do. I'm, I'm sure a lot of guys listen to this podcast, and I say, oh, I wear me undies, and they say, I wear me undies too. No, let's let's shift this. Let's get it for your ladies, everybody. Get it yeah. as a present. Make it a stocking stuffer. You know what I mean. So listen up. Order before December 13th, and your meat undies will arrive in time for Christmas, just like we were saying, all those presents. I'll, I'll give all those presents out. For 20% off your first order of the world's most comfortable underwear, head to MeUndies.com forward slash Bad Christian right now. That's MeUndies.com 
forward slash bad Christian. Do it now. And we're back. All right. So, Mr. Perry, no, my, my first cousin and her husband go to New Spring, and they said that he tweeted something about the Where did your life. first cousin live? Uh, here, uh, no, no, no. Actually, they live, I think, closer to Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. So they. I was actually, just wondering why they didn't come to your church. Yeah, good conviction. Yeah. Just wondered, like, I mean, you have you are a pastor of a church. Just was wondering why they didn't come to yours. Since it's they against lived. their, it's against their conscience. Yeah, based on a number of factors that they know that they can't say publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> so apparently, he tweeted something about the refugee crisis, and a lot of uh, obviously fifty percent of his followers didn't like what he said and started to go off and so he just kind of took it down i don't know if he retracted it but basically i think uh maybe it was even without words but regretted putting it out there so i have no idea the whole nobody has a screenshot or know what it was that he said no but uh my cousin swears that he would come on this podcast i just think he's too high profile to want to i told her i was like look people are gonna you know, look a little bit into this and just be like, no, I'm not going to go in there with those guys. No way. Like, yeah, but- maybe. I mean, that's, I'm, I think that's crazy you bring that up. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I wanted to talk about Perry Noble and his tweets already. And you had this thing. So that's really cool. I even have uh, some of his tweets that he's been doing lately because he got into a controversy that seemed like a big deal really on Saturday. He, he tweeted about football. So, and one of the things he did was not take down tweets, and he called out a bunch of other people for taking down their tweets that he had been responding to. And so I'm surprised that he would take down that other one. Or not surprised, but it's at least interesting that he would take down the one about that. And Maybe he had the juice because he felt squelched by that one, so he went off about football instead. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just like a regressive way of coming out. But here's what <laughs> I'll find the, uh, the uh, tweet. He goes, um... So he he's a Clemson fan. Perry's from Anderson. Started this thing. I think he went to Clemson, and he's totally a you know a big big Clemson fan. And the, we had the Clemson Carolina game, which is our biggest rivalry game. It's like it's like the biggest thing in uh, college football. And college football is the biggest thing. So I totally identify with Perry. He's exactly like we are with Clemson. Right. So except for he's a lead pastor at a mega church. So Perry tweets on Saturday. During, at the end of the Clemson game, he says, props to the Gamecocks. They did not quit when things got tough, unlike their former coach. <laughs> so takes a shot at their coach Spurrier for quitting in the middle of the season. And then people just went crazy and started saying the, the weirdest things in the world. Not the weirdest things. They just said, uh, you're causing other people to stumble. You're being mean. Oh, this is Lord. crazy. I can't believe you would say this, that you would do that. The Gamecocks like a, one of the, I don't know if it was the official, but a big Gamecock thing just said something to him immediately because the state split on the issue. And there was even Clemson fans saying, I can't believe what you're doing. He says, don't become a stumbling block of the week. And he starts, and so he immediately retweets every negative tweet and responds to it and just takes it up notches the whole time. And it is, <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, it's the to me, I'm so happy about it because he just says, nope, I don't care. I can, I'm talking about football here, man. I can do it. This is not right. a big deal. And the people are trying to, you know, rein him in. He's like, you do the Twitter universe does not define me. You may say this about me, but that does not define me. I'm having fun. This is what I'm going to do. And somebody says, be careful. 
He says, the exercise of your right does not become a stumbling block to the weak. He goes, did you just call yourself weak, or are you saying Gamecock fans are weak? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. And they're like, he says, uh, you're possibly the only example that anybody will ever see, and you're doing a terrible job right now being a pastor. He said, this is your opinion. He said, you're entitled to it, but I'm not enslaved by it. And he just keeps on skewering people. And I promise you there's over 100 of these on his Twitter feed. crazy. And he responded to every negative one and retweeted it for everybody to see. And then this one guy says, should should be ready for church tomorrow. Instead, the senior pastor sits on his mom's phones and has nothing better to do. And he he writes, my my mother died in 1982. You are an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And then it got worse and worse because people are like, you can't call somebody an idiot. You can't do this. You can't say this stuff. And he just kept on going. I've got a million of them. I won't read them all. I've got a lot of media for the show today, I know. But he just keeps on going. He says, I'm trying to be an example of, uh, you know, he said, you're being a bad example because I am an example of not letting, t- you know, people define me and Twitter trolls to control me. So I love it. Right. I think it's just brilliant. That is awesome. Yeah. I, that, he says, I'm a real guy. That's the, worst thing, that's the thing that, that bothers me the most is just be yourself. That's right. who Perry Noble is. He's, right. he's joking around. He gets to be right Perry on. Noble, not always Pastor Noble. Right. And why, why yes. do people think they want Pastor Noble? Right. They think that they want that. But I think they'd be a lot happier if they just let everybody be everybody. Yeah, they're okay with them tweeting that stuff, but not their pastor. It's just like, what in the world are you doing? Right. It's insane. (laughs) He says, uh, if not liking the Gamecocks makes me a bad person, he said, I'm definitely at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> well, that's good. his church he started. Never in, lets is up. in Anderson too, which is right there by Clemson and everything. So, Toby, did uh, you did you uh, when Carolina came within three points? Did you start saying stuff like, "That's it, that's it, they lost. They're a bunch of stupid idiots. I can't believe they're playing." Like, did you start crumbling? I thought. I mean, obviously, no matter what, we are the better team, and I thought we really played down. I know we were there, and it is a rivalry, so that's right. always way tougher. But I was just so disappointed. I was like, come on, yeah. They, we let them even score at the very end, so it yeah. was even closer. And then I was just yeah. like, that's just not good. And the turnovers is what was what, scary. Yeah. We can't do that against a better team like North Carolina right. this this coming week. I mean, we do that against North Carolina, which, I mean, this podcast will be coming out, and we'll be watching the game. People be, you know, that's the, coming out on Saturday. And I just, I'm like, holy crap. This is, it's that's what's scary to me. I think we have a potential Heisman quarterback, probably NFL quarterback as our quarterback. And I think our running backs are great and everything, but the turnovers were really scary. Yeah, for a terrible team. Yeah, the game was really, really, really tense there. So, and of course, people got to understand what college football rivalries are. So, not giving. I mean, I'm going to defend. Now, here we go. A mega church pastor, lead pastor, inevitably running a giant business, making all this money. Yes, maybe last week, maybe other week, I talked bad about mega church pastors and the culture there. Not this time. I am Perry Noble all the way. I'll defend these guys. Yeah, good for them. That is awesome. That's, I mean, there, you know, there's some really good stuff. In fact, I'll go one further. I, I was reading about Perry Noble and clicked around and stuff. I'm going to defend him some more. I'm going to defend him on money. I'm going to defend him and guys, hear me out. And I'm I'm going to be serious here. I'm not making even something facetious here. But given the system, I'm going to make an argument for that Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick ought to make more money than they do. More money than they do. They ought to make more money than they do. Let's hear it. Okay. So I was listening to Colin Cowherd the other week, and he was talking about uh, he was talking about a, a, a uh, interview he saw with Obama, where he was talking about uh, NFL stuff. So Obama was shocked and saddened because he saw that uh, the commissioner of the NFL, Roger Goodell, makes forty four million dollars, and Colin says that is 
really dumb of Obama to say. In fact, Roger, Roger Goodell, the CEO, the commissioner of this big corporation, makes $44 million. It's pathetic. No, he's underpaid is what Colin Cowherd said. So I follow his logic on there, and I think that's he's right. He says the NFL – uh, was worth the TV revenue was six and a half billion dollars when G- Goodell took over in 2006. It's now 11 billion dollars a year. So he succeeded to Almost an unbelievable, double. yeah, so, you know, five billion dollars of increase. And this guy's salary is 44 million dollars. Right. Okay. So he should be paid way, way more than that. Yeah. If honestly, it was doubled, it wouldn't even be that big of a chunk. No, it's not a drop made. in the bucket versus what he's made and what it's worth and stuff like that. Likewise. These guys, Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick, they make a ton of money. So I did a little digging, and I have some common sense on the matter. And I, I will estimate what their salaries are in based on what I can decipher from internet and read some articles and stuff. But it's, it's somewhere between four hundred thousand and one point four million a year. That's essentially what they make. And then there's book, you know, maybe all inclusive stuff. It's definitely in those. So you said four four hundred thousand and a half a, a million and a half. You said between them somewhere. Yeah, it's somewhere in that range, uh, most likely based on what I could decipher and IRS rules and the the medians of CEOs of companies and just stuff that was on the internet. And you know, I think you know, Mars Hill was in a similar. Mark Driscoll would have been, and I, I'm pretty certain um, that those guys are all in the same category of. And most likely it's on the higher end of that, not the low. But just to to leave room there, I'll make the lowest, you know, about four hundred grand. But it's much more than that. Most likely a good guess would be seven, eight, nine hundred grand a year. That's a guess. I don't know that, but it's something like that. But that's kind of nothing. I mean, that's kind of nothing compared to if you think about that those churches came not they didn't take over a church and then make it bigger like Roger Goodell. They built it from scratch. And none of that money or revenue would exist in any way if or into anywhere close to that if they didn't create it and drive it and make it. I mean, I would yeah. I would agree with everything you're saying from a business standpoint, and I think that's that's the tension here is how uh-huh. how are we supposed to look at these multi million dollar businesses that we call churches? Because okay, well, I'm going to stay str- strongly in the business realm, and I'm not. I don't mean this is a knock, but yes, these guys are CEOs of business, so you can take issue with that, but they don't take issue with that. That's how they see themselves. That's how they run. I'm not even, I promise you, I'm not being facetious or criticizing it. Self-identified wise, of course, all their stuff is leadership journal this and leadership coaching this and their favorite this and five ways to do this. Every All the cues they take and all the stuff they do is regular old CEO business. They see themselves as the communicator, the face of the brand, and the CEO. That's not a stretch. That is true. And since it's true, th- their compensation should not be an issue. It, re- it really isn't. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a jerky way. I'm, I'm defending them here. Now Toby, now, Toby, you've just said recently that that you feel the church should be different. I mean, do you disagree with what Matt's saying or not really? Well, here's the thing. Money is really a sensitive topic all the way across the board. But for somebody like Stephen Furtick or whatever, I actually don't care. I really don't even care that well, we made fun of him for having a big house or uh, his salary, like I think a week or two ago, we talked about that where he said, "What, it, what he said something like he changed it from I'm not going to tell you my be salary.' Biblical to, to let yeah, you know it'd be, my salary. It'd be, it'd be <laughs> arrogant to let you know my salary and stuff like that. I think that that reveals some truth that he doesn't think it's right. I wish he would have gone. Yeah, I make eight hundred thousand dollars. Exactly. I, I, said, I make one million and a half dollars, and here's I can why. make four million. It wouldn't yeah, be a big deal. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, I'm I'm. This is what and. I'm not. You make a lot of money, and you want to. You work hard, and if you work hard, you, maybe you get a raise, or you do. This is what I make. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't and like that's it, his job. Then, that's his then business. The congregation. Let's. That's talk. right. 
Uh, I'm, That's uh, right. If you guys are upset, but this is what I make. And then then, right. it wasn't, then there's no shame. There shouldn't be any shame in what Stephen Furtick makes. And I don't care how much it is. God is, has unlimited wealth. So if Stephen Furtick has a bunch, I'm okay with that. I don't care if Stephen yeah. Furtick's rich. If he's got a heart for God, who cares? David, King David was rich. Solomon, whoever was rich. So if they can own it, that's good. Now, the pro- one problem yeah, is they, they do have to hide it, though. Like, they literally right. do. Like, people speculate that, for instance, you know, Ferdick could have bought a way bigger house, but then he would have got even made fun of it even more. So he couldn't. And he can't, you know, so they try to hide, they have to hide things because they know how bad right. it'll look. So that is weird. But on the other hand, they could go full prosperity well, and say this is a sign of the blessing or whatever. But, you know, the, the problem is Creflo. that once somebody's, you got to go Creflo. <laughs> somebody said, and I thought it was an intelligent point, that it's not that they these people are leaders and have money. It's, it's that they make their money from the church. For instance, how much money do you think Truett Cathy that owns Chick-fil-A has? Ain't nobody got a problem with it or how he spends it. Right. He's a Christian guy. He runs a business, and everybody's. I mean, ho- everybody hopes he makes as much money as possible. Every Christian loves it. Nobody's going to criticize his house ever. Right. So it's a matter of you know how you make your money, and that's and the nice thing about that is it's voluntary. If you don't want to go there and you don't want to give him any, don't. Right. That's Just true. Don't. Yeah, that's true. Everybody that gives money, but that's here's where it gets tricky, Matt, and here's where I think it's everybody. The reason you can make that Colin could say that about uh, Roger Goodell, or you can, is because. Roger Goodell's job is to make money. Make money. Well, a pastor's job is not to make money. A pastor's job, no, it's not. It it might be to make money. Why? When you give tithes to a church, nobody goes, "Hey, man, I can't wait that our pastor makes another hundred thousand dollars a year with my tithe." Right? They think, man, they go, "No, we're helping the world. We're helping our. We're helping small groups. We're helping give. We're doing this, this, and this." So when you, that's why you. Pastors don't talk about it because the reason why you give money to the church is to help people, not to make a a, okay. a white guy richer, even though he might earn it. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't care. So that's why I think it should be way more in the open. Well, pay attention then to your pastor and if they treat your church like a business or not. Do they measure metrics by that? Do they make decisions based on I mean, you can decide that, though. Like, if you want to participate, go for it. Like, it's that's all I'm saying. But I mean, even if your but church don't be, uh, made the most revenue in the world in this instance— that should not matter to the pastor because the pastor telling everybody God gets you through everything, the hard times, whatever. Why does the pastor need to be completely comfortable financially so he can preach the word better? No, that makes him more distant. It doesn't. If Roger Goodell makes more money for a company, that's his job. Same way as a plumber's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I <laughs> maybe stop denying the the fact of that you run this like a business, and that's a good thing for everybody. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's going to be even even you know like it's just good. Don't be like misguided that the the amount of money is probably the largest thing that they do think about and and uh, and at least used to measure. Now they do good stuff with the money, but they they definitely measure things by money, and the decisions are made that way, and that's true and that's clear. And they do a great job with it, and they get more money that otherwise people were just going to use to buy Xbox games and beer anyway. So let them have it and let them do other good stuff with it. I mean, I work at a church. I would love to make more money. I would kill if my salary could double or triple. Yeah. Well, your entrepreneurial skills are not good enough, and you market the pressure. You should negotiate more money for yourself or start something if you want to make more money. I, I think this is another uh, part of the conversation, too, that needs to be acknowledged is, now, I think Stephen Furtick could be an, uh, an exception to this, relatively speaking, but most guys like Perry Noble, Mark Driscoll, um, and, and other pastors, there was a long period of time they didn't know how they were going to put food on the table. 
You know what I'm saying? Like they needed people to desperately give, not only so they could continue the church, but so they could feed their family. So, you know, it's one of those things to where, mm-hmm. I, man, that that shows right there. I don't think they set out to say, hey, I'm going to make a multi-million dollar company um, so I can get rich. I think they set out to saying, I think this is what God wants me to do and I'm going right. to do it. And if I can't make money off of it, well, oh, well, I still have to do it. No, I'm telling you, I'm, I am genuinely defending them in this case. I, yeah. I, I just put onus on people to decide what they want to do with their money. What's really funny is that we we don't maybe know that many pastors, so we always like talk about Furter or, or Perry Noble, just who are both it, like yeah. in South Carolina. Right. <laughs> the two big pastors in the Carolinas. Just so everybody knows. I, I do believe Stephen Furtick is doing a lot of stuff for the right reasons. We've said that a million times. Everybody knows that. I know, right. but but also I fully believe he's sinful in a lot of ways, just like me. Right. And that's okay. He's a way just better like preacher Kathy than me. He can probably tell the every other rich person. Also in a better way that's a, a, a better bridge he's for people. Way better looking than Oh, he's amazing. Have you seen, hey, he's seriously beefed yeah. up, though. Like he's pretty buff now. Have you seen his butt? Yeah, I have. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a couple more thoughts on that. Like, what would this lead to? That's the thing I always think. So people say that they have to hide their money like Walter White. Like, he just has all this money, but you can't spend it because nobody can know you really have it. But you do have it. So what are you going to do? What will we see here? Will it be early retirement? Would that be the logical step? Or will power, like the fact of being the face, keep them at front? You know what I mean? Because if you, if you wind up stockpiling $12 million or $50 million, I mean, and you're 50, I mean, are you, what, right. what happens then? You know, so maybe a prediction is early retirement for these guys. Now, I think, I think those guys have the type of personality that won't be able to just retire. They have to keep yep. going. You're probably right about that. And all that sort of thing, so. I mean, do you think Furtick's going to be preaching 46 weeks a year when he's 70? Right. right. You think no, so? No. No, there's just no way. He, if he'll have unlimited wealth or he'll have a scandal before then, I'm not thinking he would for any reason other than it happened. I'm just saying that something will happen where it'll fall apart on its own or. Whatever, but if he continues to accumulate millions over and over and over and over again and can't even spend it, at some point you're not, you just, I think you won't necessarily be preaching 48 weeks a year. I don't think it'll make sense. I just don't, but I don't know. I'm curious. I'm saying I'm curious. It's really interesting. Yeah. That's not a direct prediction of anything. I just, it's really interesting to think about it. All right. So, so here's the thing. All right. So take the Christian restaurant chain restaurant owner and the Christian pastor. Don't you think both of those guys, and I'm not even saying that I would do this. I I would hope that I could do this, but don't you think that both of those guys, and I do know a very successful Christian business owner who did do this. Both of them have a responsibility to say, you know what, at this level of income, I can not only be very comfortable for my family, but I can also save a lot of money, maybe save for weddings, save for college education from this level on, mm-hmm. no matter how much more I make, I'm giving it away. I know someone that has stuck with that. And he says, you know what? It's really freeing because I never have to think anymore how generous to be or how much money to give. It's always going to be everything extra past this. Sure. Point, no matter how many more. <laughs> Don't you think both of those guys have a responsibility to see their money that I'll way? Put it this, I'll put it this way. I can answer that. Uh, Joey, unfortunately, you're thinking too much like a campus pastor, my friend. <laughs> you're not seeing the big picture. The, the more CEO-minded you are and self-identified, the less likely you are to make that rationalization. That's all I'm saying. I, what rational? I, I'm sorry. I'm that you don't need any more money, that it's fine, and you have responsibility to do no, other no, no, things. No, no, no. I, I agree with you that if I was— I think you might. 
But I don't think the people that are the alt Uber CEOs, they, I don't necessarily think that's the way that they think. But I just, I'm just saying that there is, there's an example that I know of who is in the CEO mm-hmm. profession sort of deal, yep. and that's what he did. So all I'm saying is, don't you think both of those Christians, like you're basically almost I'm giving them. all those pastors a pass, saying they deserve all that money. I'm saying they just do. As, okay, but as Christians, isn't there a point where we say, yeah, enough's enough. I'm gonna. I, and like I said, I, I may not do that, but don't we have that responsibility? Is what um, I'm going to I'm going to stick with my argument and say no that they, they can they are all, they they're free to uh, because you can make that argument about above fifty grand and you would take more than that. Yeah. So if they want to make over five hundred million, then I can't argue with that either. Right. If they're if they're worth it, if they're able to justify that and it's good business, then go for it. That's what I'm going to have to say to stay consistent here. And it's the absurd consequences of that. I'll let other people deal with. Matt, what Toby? I want to thank you for an enlightening us <laughs> and uh, helping us see sometimes that we probably don't give pastors enough credit. I'm yep. I'm just killing time though. Essentially, for the first you know first fifty minutes or so of this podcast, I am just seeking to kill time. Yeah, it's just filler. Basically, this is filler. Yeah, everything I'm saying is filler. because now it's time for the real podcast to Woo! begin. <laughs> Kick it, Matt. In a world where pastors, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say something like it's just rich as shit, <laughs> are cool as hell. This is Toby Morales, the damn news. All right, guys, I have some I think interesting news today, and I don't know how much time we have. You don't so have to this, unlimited this time. You go as could, long as you want. This could be a combo news. This first article is is basic. It's actually two articles that struck me. And I thought oh, it was okay. interesting how they, they I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm uh, off, but I thought this was kind of interesting. Two, two uh, little, kinda, I guess, Christian-influenced uh, articles came out. This first one comes from, uh, and, I, and these are news that were all over the place, but I actually tried to go to uh, actual Christian journalist sites to, to, mm-hmm. to see how they wrote it. <laughs> one is really funny, but... This first one I think might be reputable. Maybe they all are. But anyway, the first one comes from the Christian Times. And I read a little bit about this. And it's actor Brad Pitt says he's an atheist, but he believes in integrity. Okay. Y'all excited about this? Ain't nobody in Hollywood believe in Jesus. You know that. Uh, the well-known actor said in the interview in an interview that he had done that his father uh, growing up was very, very tough. But added that he could be a softie. But one thing his folks always stressed was being capable, doing things for yourself. And he was really big on integrity, and that informed him a lot. But he says that because of um, religion, he says that there's a ton of guilt that goes along with religion. And basically, you can't do this, you can't do that. And it just made him, it pushed him away. So much so that he just, he decided he couldn't believe in it. And it was fake because it was all just these rules that didn't matter. And he, and he was more impressed by like integrity which is honestly i think he kind of does live his life that way like during some of the uh floods and stuff and um and hurricanes uh like in new orleans and stuff he went down there and physically built houses and gives a lot uh-huh. of money and cares about people in other countries and all that stuff i think he does believe what he says but i thought that was just interesting grew up in missouri uh family very christian still and then brad comes out and says hey i am not a christian so let that sink in i want to go ahead and read the second uh, article Ooh, two, which is double, from the other side. double news, no response. Whammy, I love right, it. Right, right. 
And then y'all can I just y'all can draw your own conclusions. I I just thought it was interesting that these two stories how they played out. One was can we just draw? Well, let me give you a Joey. Synopsis. You go draw a picture of like uh, Calvary or something. Toby, I'll draw right. conclusions. <laughs> the first one, just the, the first one I just read about Brad Pitt. Basically, he's kind of saying Christianity pushed him away. Like it was just rules, regulations, and he he thought, well, man, I I care about integrity and hard work, and I maybe I don't see that in Christianity, so I'll just believe in that as opposed to this God that they're telling me tells me not to sleep with my girlfriend or or give to the church or whatever it might be. Second one comes from faithit.com. Oh, faithit. Miss Universe just dumped <laughs> Tim Tebow because he wouldn't have sex with her. This is the clickbait part of the title. And his response is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Baited. I got to know. Tim Tebow officially got dumped by former Miss USA and Miss Universe winner Olivia Culpo. And the cause for their split, well, it's been confirmed that the American football quarterback and renowned Christian got the boot because he wouldn't put out. The couple started dating in October, but Olivia didn't quite realize how serious Tim was about his virginity. According to the New York Magazine, uh, NY Mag, once she understood that he wasn't going to budge on abstaining from sex, she ended the relationship. Bam. An anonymous source told the Daily News he was really into her and he was sending her love letters and cute notes and professing his love for her. But she had to break up with him because she just couldn't handle it. He still hits her up, but she just can't deal with the sex thing. And he's pretty adamant about it. I thought that was kind of really interesting that they said that. But what was really funny, um, at the end, um, they go into just really t talking about how awesome Tim Tebow is. Um, they didn't do this about Brad Pitt, but, but uh, obviously, even though Brad Pitt is living out an integrity and good, does do good <laughs> stuff, they're kind of just like, yeah, he, atheist. This one, the end. The announcement of the split was ironically on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, though the breakup wouldn't necessarily be the first thing you consider being thankful for, it seems Tim Tebow did just that. And it sets a remarkable example for what we all should do when our romances don't work out as planned. Because after all, that just means that God has somebody better in mind for us anyway. Way to go, Tim Tebow, for setting a standard for our sex-obsessed culture that true love can wait. And if it can't, it wasn't the real kind anyway. Because his love endures forever. The end. <laughs> wow. That is such bad journalism. That's the only thing you can say. That makes that site so crappy instead of just t reporting. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, there's opinion pieces out there. There's editorial, but that's not what that is. That is just a weird, goofy in-between thing where they're saying a bunch of facts. Here's a news story. You're going to read it, and then you hit them with, I don't know. Right. That doesn't, that, that's so devaluing to, first of all, their name's faithit.com, right. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not saying anything bad about old Tim. I guess that's actually pretty good. Although, I guess a bunch of people would say, not me, but I bet you find this gen the general secular view there is probably a lot of people say, it's because the dude is gay. I'm sure people yeah, think that, right? They might say that, yeah, for huh. sure. Or they just say it's it's just a publicity thing that makes him look great. You know what I mean? Like, oh well, yeah, he, he turned her down. He's the he's the greatest. Yep. He's the Christ I mean, redeemed. He looks, he looks great for Christians. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. Now, honestly, I think it, it is cool. I mean, the girl is very pretty. She's yeah. like Miss Universe or something like that. And if he's really believing that, that more power to him. I think that's yeah. really awesome. And that's yeah, absolutely that's biblical. Right. And yeah. maybe, you know, that actually is helping him in a lot of ways. What the, percentage of people could not sleep with Miss USA, given the fact that she's, you know, uh, uh, begging for it is the only th way to put it. <laughs> my, my, the percentage of people that wouldn't sleep with her is Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah. One, one, how many people are in America? One in 300 million? Yeah. Point oh 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 three. I mean, I mean, seriously, it would be very hard. Like, that sounds like they didn't do anything. And the, it, I, honestly, once again, 
this is skewed to make her look just terrible. Like she needs yeah. sex so bad and she couldn't convince right. him that <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, God, that she's got to have it and he's not giving it to I'm her. I'm not knocking Tim Tebow because, I mean, he's under so much scrutiny, but it would be cool for him to come out and say, hey, everybody needs to chill with how they're talking about right. this. This is my personal convictions. I'm doing this, be- but hey, let's face it. Most people don't believe this way. You can't knock her. Don't make me to be right. like, the hero too because on any other given night, I'd be weak and would end up sleeping. You know what I'm saying? Right. That'd be neat, but I'm not knocking him for not no, saying right. that. It's just, uh, I just think that's why our, where Christianity, once again, is just so skewed. It makes everybody pissed off because what Miss Universe contest- contestant is so sex-crazed and that's all she's going to break <laughs> up with this guy because, I mean, they, how long have they been dating? A month, yeah, right. two months. Like she is unbelievable. She's dying inside because she can't get sex with Tim Tebow. Well, she could be sex crazed. You know, she don't know. I bet sex with Tim Tebow would be amazing, though. I I do <laughs> think sure. he's probably. I mean, he's waited a long time, or maybe he's terrible at it. I don't know. I maybe if probably you terrible. I don't. Yeah, know. I guess you're right. Toby, please tell me you got a third story here, and it is a uh, Angelina piss when he finds out husband Brad Pitt cheating with Miss USA. <laughs> <laughs> Faithit.com. Nope, I got a, a, another one here from a roving reporter, Bryant Winters. Is this from Hopeit.com? And uh, I was one, I actually had this thought in my head, and it was interesting to open up the email, and then all of a sudden a roving reporter had actually found an article backing up oh, what the master of news, that myself, story already itself. knew. That should just be your story. So thank you, roving reporter Brian Winters. Yeah, thank you. Bryant Winters, sorry. Uh, Packers fan says God is punishing Aaron Rodgers for sex with Olivia Munn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness here, guys. This is all over the place. This is, I mean, it's just, I knew this was going to happen. Okay. I <laughs> knew you, you knew he was going to sleep with Olivia Munn. When did you know? I knew that <laughs> once they start, cause if y'all remember, uh, Tony Romo, they blasted him a long time ago when he dated Jessica Simpson. Yep, that's right. And, and it started. This started going a little south, and I was like, they're going to say something because he's been he's a little bit more visual. His girlfriend is you know famous uh, actress, and you know she's doing yep. this and that. And so anyway, basically, the Green Bay Packers started the season on a roll, winning their first six matchups. Since then, they've been zero and three. Um, and then this came from a Twitter account. Uh, ever since it came out about Olivia Munn and Rogers and her spouting off on TV about their sex life, because she said they do have sex, Rogers is not, all caps like Joey, a good QB. This team used to glorify God. <laughs> this team used to <laughs> glorify God, but now there is no mention of him from any of them. Mm-hmm. I believe God has taken his hand of blessing off the Packers players. None of them are worth a hoot at this time. If I were to coach, I'd bench Rogers and some of the other stars to send them a message. If we're going to lose, it might as well be with the backups playing. I also Good think Thompson gosh. and McCarthy and Capers should be sent packing. Hmm. And I just, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, like, first of all, like this person think that Brett Favre was just the, right. <laughs> <laughs> just the beacon of Christianity and stuff. I was going to say the opposite then, uh, can you only imagine the depraved sexuality of one Jay Cutler then? For how bad he was. <laughs> Seriously, good lord! I mean, how sick and is, is, is Peyton Manning? He can't feel his fingers. Yeah. Oh, he must be gosh. sexual yeah. deep, the worst oh, sex deviant. person in the whole world. That's right. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, it's just if that's the case, 
everybody, if, if everybody's job would be bad on earth or something. Yeah, if, if you if you if you mess up sexually, you will you will be only third or fourth best quarterback on earth, <laughs> <laughs> and the most popular sport at the most important position. Yeah, well, that's a bad punishment. That guy thinks that it. whenever the stocks go down, the stock brothers just had too much sex outside of yeah. marriage. Oh God, too, like one too many bumps of coke, and of course the Dow Jones takes a tank for the week. Absolutely, but on the other hand, there is a there is something there now with uh and i think this is his you know kind of like i don't know if it's lore or traditional or something but for sure throughout time you see things like boxers and soldiers and high performance things being uh in their training a lot of times will be deprived of sex right that's part that's part of the thing like you can't you're not getting it while you're in training until after the match or after the battle all those things that keep they say it keeps you focused and motivated and you know primarily it would be along the lines of most important one of the most important instincts you have is to procreate and reproduce and so everything is for that keeping it safe uh finding a mate protecting yourself protecting it getting to that point so once you've once you're having sex and made babies and doing those things in the near term then uh, you know and you guys know that kind of from experience that you're pretty content and not driven after you've done it do you know what i mean yeah so there, there could be some some factual part to that so somebody who's single driven has singular focus and then gets distracted by you know what right That's, i mean that, that is reasonable i could agree there like he is i mean at the top of everything like he's considered maybe the best quarterback in the league already before the season and he has the famous girlfriend and everything like maybe you're right maybe some of his motivations is off but not even just personal distraction like they say but physical the just the physicality of you know once you're in, engaged there sexually you, it takes like oh okay that's a whole nother thing like you right. may no longer have that singular fo force and drive so you actually agree with this guy you think that Aaron Rodgers and Olivia Munn are is causing them to lose it's I think that's actually possible yes Joey what do you think you think uh, it actually has an effect on the football game because the Packers are God's team. Everybody I mean, would you, I mean, what? I, no, put it this way. I don't know. Matt, Matt's not saying it's punishment from God. Matt's saying that it could be getting him in his head. No, I know. Like he sees Randall Cobb, but then he's thinking boobs. No, I'm saying, Toby, if you weren't married, would we have put out an, an, an Emory album more recently? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. I just think that I, I guess when I think of Aaron Rodgers, I think of such a competitor that. Uh, I mean, I want to be so optimistic and say he wouldn't even allow this to affect him. And if he knew, if you were a boxing him, trainer, would you tell your guy it's fine if he goes to the strip clubs and does whatever and's around women every night? Or let's go way up in the woods like Rocky. Which would you prefer as a boxing trainer? Rocky, man. Okay, go up in the woods, lift logs in the snow, singular focus, not women, not movie stars. But he, uh, I mean, did. Does everybody think that Aaron Rodgers started having sex with her this year? This no, season? it would have been sometime last year. But I mean, I, I, overall, I think we all know. He, hey, he started. He had his. Uh, he, he lost. <laughs> he had sex with her for the first time right before the NFC Championship. No, he, it, the first time he had sex with her was the morning before that press conference where he said R E L A X. <laughs> <laughs> he was relaxed, boy, that morning. <laughs> oh, shit. Y'all chill. Relax like me, man. Yeah, yeah. I think overall, no matter what, we should bench Rodgers and get Tim Tebow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to put Tebow in there. All right. That's the damn news, guys. Hope y'all right, enjoyed well. it. Joey really enjoyed that news. Now he's laying on the ground. Oh, he's getting his computer. He's got to say some names. I thought he was actually taking a break. <laughs> Thank you, guys, to the BC Club Club. And here's the people that supported this 
segment of the news. <laughs> Sean McNeil. Love it. Coley Voss. I mean, Cole. Scott Voyles. Brad Freeman. Anna Brown. Nick Neeson. Casey Kowalchuk. Seth Showalter. And Kaylee Barker. Wow. We love you guys more than life itself. If any of you guys were in trouble, we would stop what we're doing right now and we would come to your rescue. We love you. Uh, we would sacrifice everything for you. And uh, unless you drop out of the club, then I don't mean it. You're dead to us. us. <laughs> You're dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.